Thanks for tuning into the Central Church Podcast. We exist to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow Him. To learn more about Central, access tons of content, and find the location nearest you, download our Central Church app. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message, and we're so glad you could join us today. Good morning! Happy Mother's Day, everybody. I am Lori Wilhite. I do have the absolute joy to be married to our pastor, mine as well, Judd. And I am so glad to get to be with you this weekend. Thanks so much for joining us here at Central. And we are going to be continuing on in our series called House Rules. Two weeks ago, I hope that you were here because my husband gave a great message on how to put God first in our families and in our lives. And then last week, we were joined by Pastor David Hughes, and he talked about the importance of faith, hope, and love. And he drank 16 raw eggs throughout the whole weekend. And I want you to know that will not be happening this weekend. So that was crazy. If you missed that message, please go check it out online. But today, we are going to be talking about encouraging everyone. How can we be an encouragement to everyone? Because encouragement is so important in our families and in our lives. We really need that, don't we? But in order to be able to pour encouragement out on other people, we first have to make sure that we are filled up because we cannot pour out what we are not filled up with. So we all have to ask ourselves, are we good to go? Or do we need to do a little internal work so that we can be an encouragement to other people. In January, there was this social media challenge that kind of was all over Facebook and Instagram. It was called the 10-year challenge. I don't know if you remember it. I don't normally do social media challenges, but this one I thought was hilarious. I was like, I'm gonna totally do it. And the point was you get two pictures of yourself from 10 years apart, you post them, and then hope all of your friends and family are gonna tell you how well you've held up over the past decade because it would not be right of them to tell you to get the hair dye and the anti-wrinkle cream, right? So I got two photos. I decided to put it on Insta Story with a little poll. I brought a picture for you to see. I asked, am I good to go or should I consider Botox? Now, I didn't anticipate getting like actual answers. I just thought this is a a time for like funny Botox jokes. And so I put that up and kind of throughout the day, my friends would go on and they would click good to go and then they would just move on with their lives. And, and later that afternoon, I pulled it up. I opened up Instagram and this is what I found. Huh. 2% of people said I should consider Botox. And I thought, how dare somebody? I am going to see who this was. And so I clicked over to figure out who had been so mean to me. Yeah, that's right. Emma Wilhite, my daughter, is the one who said, hey, mom, consider Botox, which I, you know, leave it to teenagers to keep you really humble. And I told her, I laughed and I yelled up to her room, I will get my social media revenge, Emma. And I haven't done it yet, but it's on, girl. Be, you've been warned. And all of us, if we're honest, need to do a little work in our lives. And I'm not talking about the work on the outside, physically, with the help of a little Botox. I'm talking about the work in our hearts, the work that God needs to do in our own hearts so that we can pour out love and encouragement on the people around us. Look at what the Bible says 
I'm going to pull this scripture up on the screens. When we get to the red word, make sure to shout it out loud. You always shout out loud for Judd. Last week with Pastor David, you were screaming the word three. When we get to that red word, I want you to yell it out so I know you're not super disappointed. It's not Judd today. Here we go. Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, it says, the words you speak come from the where? Woo, Judd, they aren't missing you today. Okay. They come from the heart. So if the words we speak come from our hearts, then it is so important that we have the right things in our hearts. If we've got junk and toxic things in our hearts, that is what we're going to pour out to the people in our lives. If we've got kindness and love in our hearts, that is what we will pour out on our families and our friends. So it's really important because if we can get our heart right, we can get our homes right. Healthy homes start with healthy hearts. So how do we get our hearts right? How do we get our hearts right? First, we've got to do some spring cleaning. We gotta do some spring cleaning. Uh, a while ago, I was I had one of those days, ladies, you know, just one of those lazy days where you just need to spend all of your day in the, your workout clothes, not because you've worked out, because they're comfortable. And I think like half of working out is putting on the cute clothes. So I felt pretty good about myself because I had them on. And I just spent what, that day just being lazy, just relaxing and lounging around. But later that afternoon, it was time for me to go get ready because I was meeting my parents down at the strip to go to a show with my daughter. And I just, you know, I'd had such a comfy day. I did not want to get like fancy clothes on and heels. I was not in the mood for it. So I went to my drawer and I thought, I'm just going to find my nicest leggings. I'm going to find the nicest ones I have. And then I'm going to put some like wedges on and I'm just going to go with it. And so I checked myself out in the mirror beforehand and I thought, you know, I've seen worse. And so I like, we're going to, I'm going with it. So I grabbed my handbag, grabbed my kid and we went down to the strip. Now we've lived here almost 16 years. So I, like all of you know, all the back roads, know all the ways to stay off the strip, right? We don't want to drive on the strip for five seconds longer than we have to, right? And this day, I don't know what was wrong with me. I don't know if it was like the fogginess of just a lazy day, but I turned into the wrong hotel. And before I realized it, I was stuck. I had all these cars in front of me and like bellhops running all around. And I looked behind me thinking like, please, Lord Jesus, help me back out of this. And there were cars all behind me. And I thought, okay, Emma, it's just the hotel next door. We've just got to get to the hotel next door. But as we know, the hotel next door is like five miles away here. And so I said, Emma, we've got to run. We've got to like make record breaking time and we're gonna run to the hotel next door. So we started hustling and we hustled all the way through the Palazzo and we ran by the gondolier people and we zipped all the way through the canal shops. And then we were like huffing and puffing by the time we made it to the Venetian and finally to our restaurant where we slid into a booth with my parents. We made it. Everything was great until the end of that dinner when I reached down to scratch my leg. And I thought, what in the world? There was like a huge lump on the back of my leg. And I thought, huh. So I'm gonna just reach up through the ankle of my leggings and figure out what that is. And I pulled it out and it was wait for it, some underwear on the back of my leg, which means 
I had zipped all the way through the palazzo with a wad of laundry on my leg. I had run past the gondolier people and run through the canal shop with a gob of undies on my leg. And I had huffed and puffed my way through the Venetian with a protrusion of panties on my leg. And I didn't know what to do, so I tried to keep my face really calm and I slipped it kind of quietly into my handbag because I was you know, sitting across the table from my dad and I didn't want to embarrass him, but he was here last night, so it was awkward for both of us. And we all have things in our lives that we've got to get rid of. And the truth is most of those things are much harder to remove than just slipping them out of our leg and throwing them in our handbag. Most of those things take a lot of work to be able to rid ourselves of them. Uh, we're going to look at a great verse. It's in Colossians 3, 8. And here's what it says. But now is the time to what? Get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Now's the time to get rid of all of those things out of our hearts and our lives. First, it says we've got to reach up into the leggings of our lives, and we've got to get rid of anger and rage. We got to get rid of anger and rage. Anger in and of itself is not a bad thing. Jesus got angry. He got angry with greed when um, people were not compassionate, when they were hypocrites. Anger in itself is not a bad thing, but when it is not properly motivated and when it is not in control, it can lead us to all kinds of bad things. Uh, Ephesians 24:26 says, "And don't sin by letting anger control you." Because when our anger controls us, then it becomes rage. Anger is a feeling, but rage is a behavior. Rage is the slamming of the doors. It's the stomping off. It's the yelling. It's the behaviors that come from anger on the inside. I always tell my kids, you can be mad at mommy, but you cannot be disrespectful to mommy. Because those, that disrespect comes out of uncontrolled anger. That's when they're acting crazy and they do silly things. And I don't mind the feeling of being mad. I get mad sometimes too. But when we let it get out of control, that's when we have a problem. So it says, get rid of anger and rage because it's just not your best look. It also says we need to get rid of malicious behavior and malice. This is the idea of desiring harm for somebody or wanting someone to suffer. Maybe you've got an ex that you have to like co-parent with and it's so hard or You've got this coworker, it's like super obnoxious and manipulative, and, and you just can feel malice welling up in your heart. Um, but malicious behavior, it's just not flattering on you. And next, Paul says we've got to remove slander. Slander is the putting down of somebody else, speaking evil against them. It can include insults, lies, harsh speech, or gossip. And slander can find its way into our work relationships, our friendships and even our families. And we've got to get rid of that because slander is not a good look on us. And lastly, it says we need to get rid of dirty language. Another translation says abusive language. This is more than just the words we say, although it certainly can be. It's also the tone of voice that we use with people. Maybe it's in the middle of an argument or after a really long, hard day and we can throw those harsh words at our spouses or our kids. Or maybe you don't even need words like us. Yesterday morning, 
Judd and I were standing in our kitchen and we were talking and I felt like he sighed at me. And I am not down with the sighing. And so apparently he was not, but I thought he was. And so I said, don't do that. And he does not enjoy it when I try to mother him. I'm shocked. And he said, don't jump down my throat, which I wasn't. And so at that exact moment, I don't know, Judd remembered that he had not closed the lid to the grill. So he decides that's the best time to go ahead and walk away from me and go outside and shut the grill, which just made me mad. So I gathered up all my things and I stomped upstairs. And that is how you have an argument using five words. We hardly said any words to each other, but we were clearly communicating that we were not happy. And all of those kinds of things, we have to get rid of them in our hearts and in our lives because it's just not a good look. But sometimes if we're honest, we kind of like those things. We kind of get addicted to our anger. Or we feel really comfortable in our slander. Or we feel like those people that we feel malice towards, they deserve it. And all of that may be true. But that doesn't mean we have to wear it around. We can ask God to give us the desire to remove those things from our hearts because what is in our hearts will get poured out on our children, on our spouses, on our friends, on our family. So we have to be brave enough to ask God to help remove those things so that we can pour out love and encouragement on those around us. The second thing is we've got to upgrade our look. We've got to upgrade our look. When Emma was tiny, I did not ever set an alarm. I had a living, breathing, crying 6.30 a.m. alarm clock every single day. Come on, parents, those kids wake you up way too early, don't they? And that was Emma, that's what she did every day until this one fateful Tuesday that I was supposed to be leading worship for our women's groups at the church. And I heard her crying through the monitor, I peeled my eyes open and looked at the clock and that was the day she decided to figure out what it felt like to sleep until 9 a.m. And I was supposed to be at the church 30 minutes before that. And so I vaulted out of bed. I ran to the closet. I was like, grabbed the first thing that was hanging in the closet. Like the Tasmanian devil, I spun around, got it on, did not look in the mirror. I knew better. Hot mess. So ran to Emma's crib, grabbed her out, threw her in the car. I mean broke all kinds of rules trying to get to the church, got in there, tossed her to the childcare workers yelling stuff about feed that kid and change her diaper, and ran in just as it was starting. And I walked up on the stage with no makeup, completely frazzled and my hair sticking out everywhere like Einstein. And when I played my last chord on my guitar, I was so embarrassed and I just like, I didn't even wanna to talk to anybody. So I decided I'm gonna go talk to Judd. And so I knocked on his office door and opened it and his eyes like bugged out, like, oh my gosh. And I tell him my whole story and Emma, she slept and I was late and she didn't eat and it was terrible and I looked like this. And he put his hands on my shoulders and he goes, oh babe, and your shirt's inside out too. So what we wear and how we wear it matters. It matters, but it's time that we can upgrade our look. And the great thing is it doesn't cost a penny. 
It doesn't cost anything to upgrade your look because we're not talking about the outside. We're talking about what God can do on the inside. So Paul has just told us the things that we need to get rid of, and now he's going to tell us the things that we need to put on. So Colossians 3 continues on, and here's what it says. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must what? Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Above all, and it says it again, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. We have to clothe ourselves. Just like we walk into our closets every day and pick out the things that we're going to wear, and we stand there and we look at everything, and we're trying to figure out the like look we want to have for the day. Just like that, every day we can choose to clothe ourselves in things. So just like I would go in and decide what bracelet I might want to wear, God says I need to put on tender-hearted mercy. I need to put on tender-hearted mercy. Another translation says a heart of compassion. Jesus's ministry was marked by compassion. It is the most uh, referenced emotional response of Jesus in the Bible, his compassion for people. And it's not a list of to-dos that we can do for people. Compassion is so much more than that. It's seeking out people who are hurting and coming alongside and helping them. If we had that kind of heart for the people in our home, imagine the difference it could make. When your kids are struggling at school, clothe yourself with compassion. When your husband is feeling discouraged or underappreciated at work, clothe yourself with compassion because compassion is a great look for you. He also tells us to put on kindness. Just like if we were to go into our closets and find a cute necklace to wear, he tells us to put on kindness. Kindness is really uh, motivated in the well-being of other people. And in our culture, we often ask the question, what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? But kindness is a different motivation. It's a motivation that puts the needs of others above ourselves. Kindness drives us to find ways to support and encourage our friends and our family without wondering what they're going to be able to do for us in return. When you're taking care of your aging parents, clothe yourself in kindness. When your wife is stressed out and super overwhelmed, clothe yourself with kindness because kindness is so flattering on you. The third thing that he says we need is that we need to put on humility. We've got to put on humility. And humility is not thinking less of yourself or um, thinking you're terrible or groveling or something like that. Humility is having an accurate representation of who we are in Jesus. Humility is being willing to say that we are wrong, to ask for forgiveness. Humility is putting our pride to the side. Humility is remembering that uh, being right is not as important as our relationships being right. I remember a few years ago, we were just at the point in the school year, much like this time of year, where my kid, my son, was just like over it with school. He did not want to do homework anymore. And so that day I decided he is going to do this homework before he gets up from this desk if I have to hold his body in this chair, right? That's what we have to do sometimes, parents. And so I thought that's what's going to happen today. And the longer it went on, the more angry he got. Guess what? The more angry I got. The more frustrated I got, the more frustrated he got. 
soon I was started to raise my voice. And then my then 10-year-old looked at me and he said, Mom, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to leave and you're going to leave. Then I'm going to calm down and then you're going to calm down. And then we're going to come back and try this again. That's what's called being humbled by your child. And I had to tell him, buddy, you are totally right. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I shouldn't have raised my voice. This got out of control. It wasn't okay. Thank you for slowing things down and helping us do the right thing. That's what humility is. So when you are in an argument with your spouse, clothe yourself with humility. When you feel like you need to defend yourself and prove that you're right, clothe yourself with humility because humility is the perfect look on you. He also says that we need to clothe ourselves with gentleness. This is the point in the service where I feel like I belong here wearing that Drew Bodine hat. Often we put our desires and goals in front of, well, pretty much anyone and everything. And we're willing to plow over the people that we love to be able to reach our goals and do the things we feel like we need to do. But gentleness is about being aware of the feelings of other people. It's about softening our words, softening our tone of voice. And it doesn't mean we avoid difficult discussions or challenging things, issues. We have to have difficult discussions. We have to face challenging issues. But it does mean when we do them, we do them clothed in gentleness. When you have to have a hard conversation with your spouse, clothe yourself with gentleness. When you have to address issues going on in the hearts of your teenagers, clothe yourself with gentleness because gentleness is tailor-made for you. He also tells us to put on patience. These are my new glasses. I just got them this last week. Nothing in me wants to wear glasses, nothing. My vanity wants me to get these far, far away from me. The fact that I cannot read without them, though, requires me to wear them. And there are a lot of things that try our patience, that make us want to get rid of patience. Our kids, we love them, but can they not try our patience better than everyone? They know exactly what buttons to push. They know exactly how far they can push it, right? And it doesn't matter if they're crying and crying, crying about something that doesn't matter, or maybe they're crying um, for no good reason at all. Check these kids out. We found them online. This kid, she is not allowed to drink toilet bowl cleaner. Poor baby. Look at that girl. This little guy, she won't let him eat styrofoam. Oh, terrible to not get to eat styrofoam. Look at that face. It's pitiful. This is one of my favorite ones, this little girl. She is so upset because she, her mommy would not buy her the Dolly movie for Christmas. Well, that Dolly's Chucky, so that's called crying for no reason. And the last one, this little guy, someone ate all his muffins. It was him. And when you have days like that, parents, aren't you just, it just wears you out. And you just think, I cannot be patient any longer, but we have to choose to clothe ourselves with patience. When we're frustrated with our kids, we clothe ourselves with patience. When we've asked them to do something five times and they still won't do it, we clothe ourselves with patience. We discipline them, but we do it after we stop. 
and we calm down and we take a deep breath and then we clothe ourselves with patience because patience is a great look on us. And lastly, it says that we need to put on love. We've got to put on love. So check this verse out again. It's the last part of Colossians that we read earlier. It said, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in what? Perfect harmony. Now, I don't know about you, but I absolutely adore my children. But we do not live together in perfect harmony. I love my husband so much. We do not live together in perfect harmony. We at our home, much like yours, have arguments. We have fights. We say things that hurt each other's feelings, but we do love each other. So how can love bind us together in perfect harmony? Well, 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That means when your son is making choices that are breaking your heart, you clothe yourself with love because love never gives up and it never loses faith. When your daughter has pulled herself away from your family and you are just heartbroken, you clothe yourself with love because love is always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. Because love is an amazing look on us. And it's just six things. And you think six things can't really make that big of a difference, but if six things can completely transform you on the outside, if six things can upgrade your look, then think about the difference six things can make if we will clothe ourselves in them. If we can put compassion and kindness and humility and love in our hearts, it can absolutely transform our families. So we've got to put those things in our hearts so that we can pour out encouragement on all of the people around us because all of us need encouragement, don't we? We all need a cheerleader in our life. Um, we do. When I was in elementary school for a very short period of time, I was a cheerleader. I brought you a picture so you can see. I think we can all agree that little girl had no business being a cheerleader. Little awkward, very um, accident prone. I have watched home videos that my parents have of me doing cheer jumps. And every time I jumped, every time I jumped, I fell. Every time. Every single time I jumped, I fell. I had no business being a cheerleader. So it shouldn't be a surprise to you that when I was in high school, I was not on the cheer squad. I was, however, the social chairman for the Latin club. And I do not mean the super fun, Spanish-speaking, fiesta-throwing, Mexican food-eating Latina club. I mean... I was the social chairman of the Latin is a dead language club, which means it is about as cool as it sounds. But I didn't give up my cheerleader kinds of dreams with elementary school. Um, I carried them into my adulthood. When people ask me what my role is here at Central, I always tell them that I am the head cheerleader at Central. My job is to cheerlead our volunteers, tell our staff they're incredible, love on our staff wives, encourage our pastor. That's my job here at Central. My job in our home is the head cheerleader of Team Will Height. 
when people are feeling down or they feel like they can't go anymore, my job is to come alongside them and say, yes, you can. Yes, you can. My job as a friend is to be the head cheerleader in their lives as well. And we all need cheerleaders in our lives. We need more cheerleaders than we have critics. And critics are around every corner. And that's because critics have not done the work of getting those yucky things out of their hearts. That's the truth. But cheerleaders, the people who can come alongside people and encourage them, are going to do the work of clothing themselves every day in the things of God. And if we can do that, then when the bully tells our kid that he's a nobody, we can say, hey, God made you a somebody. When the critic says she'll fail, you remind her that the critic does not speak for God. When a coach says he isn't enough, you say, hey, he hasn't seen your best yet. When the boss says she'll never move up, you remind her that she works for God and it is his decision alone. When the enemy says his strength is gone, you remind him that those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. When the family says she's a disappointment, you tell her she is appointed by God for such a time as this. The paycheck says there isn't enough, but you affirm God is always more than enough. The circumstance says it, things will only get worse, but you say our God is bigger than our circumstances. His conscience says he's disqualified, but you remind him that Jesus qualifies those that he's called. Her inner voice says she's broken, and you remind her God loves to make broken things beautiful. Her mirror says she's a mess, and you tell her that she is God's masterpiece. His past says there's no hope, and you remind him that God is still working. He says it's too hard. I'm done. I'm finished. But you remind him he's created on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose, and God is not done with him yet. That's the kind of cheerleaders our children need. That's the cheerleader our spouses need. It's the cheerleader our friends, our coworkers need. But first, we have to get our hearts right. Because if we can get our heart right, we'll get our homes right. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much, God, for your word. I pray that as we go home, you'll just help us to be mindful of the things that we have in our heart. And if it's anger or if it's slander or if it's language, God, I pray that you give us the courage to get it out, that you will help us remove that from our lives so that we don't pour that out on the people that we love. And instead, help us every single day, God, to choose to put on patience, to choose to put on mercy and compassion, to choose to put on kindness, God, and then let that spill out onto the lives of our kids, the lives of our spouses. We love you so much. Amen.